This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's Friday the 28th of May 2021 in today's playoff final preview special we are delighted to be joined on the pod once again by former Pool and Lincoln legend Garrick Taylor Fletcher Fletcher along with Jake Tong another guest and Lincoln fan will be helping us preview the big match giving us his thoughts on what it takes to win a playoff final and how the current team compares to the famous class of 2010 I'm John Asperall this is the Seasiders podcast Friday night preview show Blackpool v Lincoln in the League One playoff final Uh, welcome everybody, welcome back to the Seasiders podcast, uh, a very, very, very special Friday night preview show, We've got a special guest on as well, just to introduce everyone before we get going, um, Jake Tong, Jake is a another accredited sports journalist, Jake, um, to join Sean there, he's also accredited, so uh, welcome, welcome Jake, thanks for coming on, giving us the Lincoln Insight. Thank you very much. Um, Sean, Mac, uh, Sean McGinley there, another another. FWA accredited journalist. Welcome back, Sean. The fight of the accredited journalists this evening. <laughs> they had them out like sweets, don't they, nowadays? <laughs> uh, welcome, Tom, who's going to be hosting this evening. Um, and we've also got some some bloke on who's played for Blackpool and Lincoln and scored at, <laughs> scored at Anfield and United and that. What's his name again? We're not going to do that, remember? It's Gary Taylor Fletcher. Welcome, Gary. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the pod again. Yeah, enjoyed last one. A few few nights a while ago that took about three hours a night. We had a a couple of all-nighters, didn't we? So uh, it's great great to have you back anyway. So, um, Tom, t- Tom, take it away. Um, you're the you're the regular Friday on out previewer. Sam's not here, so we're, we're letting you run the show this evening. So, off you yeah. go, mate. Off you go. 
<clears throat> we'll get straight into the questions. Um, it's good, great to have you on, Gary. Uh, 234 games for, for Paul, 38 goals, 93 uh, games for Lincoln with 30 goals. What are you up to um, now within the game, or are, are you stepping away from it at the moment? Uh, well, I don't know if it was last time that I announced that I was moving to New York. Um, so, still on the cards, I'll be moving over to New York probably end of July. Uh, beginning of August, uh, got a coaching job out over there, and it's been a long year waiting and planning and stuff. But that's that's what's happening for me. I've applied for a few jobs over in England um, after me Wales little stint of being player manager and manager in the Europa League. But for that, it hasn't really worked for me um, over in England. A lot of them we're sort of saying that the, the Welsh League isn't really classed as experience, even though the team that I took and managed, I improved every aspect, finished second, would have qualified for the Europa League if it wasn't for some owners who tried to take money out of the club when they sh- maybe shouldn't have done, or there was some little things and the cl- club got demoted and we all lost our jobs. Yeah, it's a pretty... Um... Sort of horrible situation. Did you did you apply for coaching jobs in New York, or did you get approached over there? Um, I had applied for a lot of jobs over over in England, and I was getting frustrated. I got to the final two for the Macclesfield job, um, but it was one of them. It didn't quite work out, and it was only one of my friends' stepdads actually over in America at the moment. He told me that big conference on and to come over, and he'll introduce me to a few people. Went over there and literally within three days they had four or five job offers. So, you know, that the way it's building up and the way football is going over in America, it was a, an opportunity that I, I couldn't afford not to take. So it was it was a tough decision, obviously, moving away, but it's one that for myself and my family, it's something that I need to go and have a go at. Um, and obviously you've played for um, both clubs, Blackpool and Lincoln, um, coming back to the, the games now. Have you been following the fortunes uh, of both of the clubs this season? Yeah, they have. You know, I obviously want to watch Blackpool a few times doing the commentating and stuff. Um, and obviously the first few games, the results might not have gone the way that he wanted and it was a bit of a slow start. But you could see the way Critchley had them sort of playing and how he wanted to play that it was going to progress. And as long as all the players bought into it, it was one of them where it would progress and carry on throughout the season and then improve. And, you know, I watched both the playoff games and both teams, the, the progression you've made from the start of the season has been magnificent. And, um, sorry. Um, are you surprised with how well Lincoln have done as well as Blackpool? Or is it no surprise to you that they both see themselves in a playoff final? Well, you look at the way they played against Sunderland in that second leg. You know, you, the, the press and the way they played, I was very impressed. The tempo that they played. You know what Michael Appleton and the teams are, are like from his brief stint at Blackpool. He wanted teams on the front foot press and being aggressive in people's faces. And he's got that working really well at Lincoln along with some very, very good ball players who can play football. So, you know, everyone had Sunderland down as the favourites right the way through to, to the playoffs and stuff. But it's always them teams that finish the season where like Blackpool and Lincoln have to go on and make the final and get, get promotion. So, you know, it's going to be a very interesting contest on Sunday. 
Yeah, I think you're right when you're talking about obviously the, the momentum side of things I and mean, that's really important in playoffs. We know that all too well yourself and obviously during your time at Blackpool, we know all about um, what happened at Blackpool um, when you were playing for us. But could you tell us more about your time at Lincoln? Uh, obviously, you had a lot of success there as well um, and obviously a lot of our fans probably don't know about that. So could, could you go into your time at Lincoln for us? Yeah, well, I was at Leighton Orient. I had sort of two very, very, frustrating years um, after signing from Northwich and I was always in and out of the, the squad um, sent out on low and it just didn't seem to work for me but start of the third season I had a little bit of a heart out with the manager who was the, the manager who signed me was sacked after about two three months and the new manager come in straight away just took a disliking to me he was the under 18s manager and he sort of said will not play for this team because my under-18s who he'd coached were a lot better. So straight away you knew then, right, what's going to happen here? I'd scored about 12 goals on And then it was the very first league game. A striker that he'd signed declared himself fit, hadn't done any pre-season and declared himself fit the day before the game. And I was left totally out of the squad. And I remember... The next, well, that night I got a phone call from uh, an excellent Northwich player who played for Lincoln, Mark Bailey, and he said, "Ask me what was going on." And as soon as I told him that I was going to go and ask to leave the club, he was like, "Right, big Keith the gaffer, he's going to ring you in a bit because he's desperate to get you down here." Um, and that was how my move to to Lincoln progressed. But I had two really great years. First year, we, we got to the playoff semi-finals and I thought we were very, very unlucky against Huddersfield. A, a bit of a dodgy penalty. Um, and we were unfortunate not to get to the final that year. And then the year after, we had South End, And I think I had to go off with the, with the last half hour or sort of just the full time with the concussion. Um, and one of our other strikers got injured as well. So we ended the, the, the game with, I think, about seven defenders on in the end and unfortunately got beat 2-0 but an absolute fantastic time love the, the the city and you know we were really really settled there but if it wasn't for Keith Alexander I probably don't know what I was thinking of right I'm going to go back to the conference but he had faith in me of what I'd done for him before and took me to Lincoln and you know you spoke about Keith there Gary how, how big of an influence was Keith obviously he's got legendary status in, in Lincoln you know how was he to work under and you know develop your game to eventually get that move up to League One and Huddersfield he was unbelievable um, from my time at Northwich even when I left and went to Leighton Audience I could bring him up he was like a mentor to me and as soon as he made that call and as soon as Bale told me he was going to ring me that was it there was no choice of me going anywhere else or trying to do anything else that was the club I wanted to go to and I remember I came down on the Tuesday and I think they played a game against, I think it was Bristol Rovers. Um, I'd come down to speak to Keith in the day uh, to sort me transfer out and then watch the game of a night. And I was impressed with the squad that they had. I hadn't seen that much of them, but from what I had seen, I knew that I could fit in. And it, it was surreal because it was a similar time to sort of what we had at Blackpool. You know, the, the players, that squad of players had a very, very big uh, relationship with the fans. The, the fans were, were right behind the team. They loved all the players and 
it was a similar when we went up into the into the Prem with Blackpool. The relationship between the players and fans and the club was was outstanding, and that's probably why I think Lincoln and Blackpool are probably my two biggest, most favourite clubs. You know, Huddersfield they weren't far behind, but them two clubs are what really set my career apart, and that's why Sunday's going to be mixed emotions because both teams I want to go up and. You know, I'll be gutted for the team that doesn't. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Guys, we've we've got a couple of questions coming in from the from the listeners. Two two similar questions, both saying um, which team did you enjoy playing for most, um, Blackpool or or Lincoln? It's a tough, it's, it's a tough it's, one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, Lincoln, as I said, that was what gave me my first probably real platform into league football and and got me me progression up the football ladder and probably got me where I was going to to get to Blackpool and then obviously Blackpool playing in the Premier League was every child's dream and you know that's where, where that happened for me and it, it's a tough one I, I wouldn't answer that because it'd be disrespectful to yeah. both of them you know both clubs are mean a lot to me who was speaking um, <clears throat> earlier about influential managers um, do you know Michael Apperton or do, do you know his style do you like the way he's sort of done gone about things at Lincoln um, obviously I only I think he was at Blackpool for what was it 30 days not long something like that working um, under your mates yeah it wasn't, wasn't very long and he's obviously seen the writing of the wall hasn't he yeah my experience of him managing at Blackpool was um, him coming to me telling me I'd been tapped up and why, why I was injured for the game when I'd been playing for three weeks with an injury for him, but it had gone to the point where I couldn't play anymore. On the Thursday, he came in asking me where I was going or who was putting a bit in for him. And then on Saturday after the game, he's on a on a, on a plane going to Blackburn uh, Black So, you know, that's my experience of him. But in training and in his, in his preparation, he was really, really good. Um and you can see that with the way Lincoln play out, drill the are, everyone knows the jobs and and the way he, he wants to wants to play. So you know he's gone on and progressed and done really well. Um, it's tough because I've seen him afterwards, and we that was obviously my experience of him as a manager. As a person, he's he's very different. I think, as you say, he could probably see what was happening at Blackpool with the Oysters and at a time when the club was in a bit of a transitional phase of of what had happened to probably losing the majority of the squad, which did happen that sort of summer, um, whether the writing was on the wall for the likes of myself, early Craney, before before we even knew it, you know, and he, he might have been told that and that might have been the reason why he did jump ship. No one will ever know what was going on. Yeah, obviously, you, you spoke about your time at, at Blackpool under Appleton and what Appleton can bring to the table for Lincoln. Um, but do you see any parallels at all with with the squad now that Blackpool possess? Um, and the same, obviously, with the squad that you were part of in in our promotion bid to the Premier League in terms of character, and then obviously style of play and quality and things like that. Um, what I am pleased to see is that the actual the fans obviously are warmth to the team. You know, they're starting to get that rapport with them. You've got the, the, the players that they're getting behind and stuff. And the, the attack and the intent from the team 
is very, very similar to what we had. And, you know, it's refreshing to see that you get some clubs and some managers who are very defensive. But, you know, critically coming in from Liverpool of the 23s, you can see the little things that sort of link them to Liverpool and, and the way that they do it. And, you know, it, it's great to see that the, the fans are actually got a football club to be proud of again. Absolutely. Um, just when you've watched Blackpool um, over, over your time, I know at the start of the season we weren't scoring many goals, but through the season, who do you see being Blackpool's sort of danger men? You've obviously got Yates and Sims who have been running the line really well for us, but do you see anybody else that can do the damage against Lincoln? Well, I've always, I'd, I'd say I've always loved Kai Kai from when I first seen him. Um, he, was a, he was a big player, but as you say, Yates has been an unbelievable form. Um, the way he plays... You know, on a day he's, he's unplayable, and it will be interesting if Blackpool don't go whether any clubs do come in from higher up, or even if they still do go up, any clubs come in because he has had a fantastic season. And then I'd seen Sims um, quite a few times uh, for Everton, the, the youth teams, and that when I've been to watch them, and you know, you can you can see his physical presence that he's not. He's not a little boy playing. He's actually, you know, he's got the physicality to go and play League One Championship football, and I think them two really, really fit well together. I think it's interesting um, you say the the number ten role, Kai Kai there, GTF, sort of a a player after your own heart, as it were, playing a similar role. Do you, have you seen anything ever, Elliot Embleton at all? The the lad on loan from Sunderland. He's a, he's a not, player in your mould almost. No. Yeah, it's a very two footed player, so. Someone you might want to look out for. Sorry, Tom, where are you going? I thought I was going to ask. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think um, when, when we personally she brought Sims in, it was it was weird because we just lost Medine to injury and everyone thought this, you know, the big striker was brought in to sort of replace him. But it took us a few games or took maybe critically a few games to, to find out how to use him properly in the four four two with Yates. And as soon as he got balls in behind and um, was able to run behind defenders and, and, and he started winning penalties and getting great goals like um, Swindon away, for example, like a half chance volley and he just smashed it in and he's found his confidence in the last few weeks. So I think when we saw him at Bloomfield Road uh, against Oxford, you actually realised how big he is and how physical he is. And he, he, like you said, he's gaining experience and he's, and he's you know, full of confidence going into the final. So that should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I was going to say just on Sims as well, you're looking at, uh, he's just got this natural instinct to finish. I think that he's had all along and it was putting together the other elements, his, his link up play and his first touch and things like that, which at the end of the day is a young lad and it comes with time. But he's, as you say, he's, he's progressed so much recently, but going on to the, the playoff final itself, obviously you hear how it's, it's almost form goes out the window on these occasions. How much is, is it down to mentality on the day and in terms of who goes onto the pitch with the right mentality? Yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. But I think both managers with both sets of staff, they will be making sure all them players players are ready. You know, I don't think there'd be any arrogance or anything um, thinking that you know one team is better than the other. I think both teams are going to go in there and show each other the respect that they deserve. You know, when we played against Cardiff, you could see the Cardiff players in their heads; they'd already won the game, um, and I think that was. That was obviously a massive negative for them because, yeah, they went ahead. We 
pegged them back. They went ahead again. We pegged them back. And then when we went ahead, you could see that they couldn't believe or didn't know how to react to it. Whereas we had the mentality that, yeah, we're going to go and win. I'm going to do this. But we weren't arrogant about it. We were more assertive and we didn't let anything affect us where I think it affected them. So it's making sure that the players don't have that sort of negative. It's a bit hard how to put it, the, the sort of. Like a mindset kind of thing. It's all about getting the right, yeah, the, the, the right balance and blend of not being too frustrated when well and making sure that you stick to the game plan. I think Critchley's done that well through the sort of the months he's been managing us. I think when we used to go a goal down, you still think, John, you'll probably agree that when we went down early doors that we didn't find a way back into games because we probably didn't know how to how to react to it and maybe Critchley didn't. Um, but the team now has got about five or six different players in and we've changed massively. And I think in the short time that Critchley's been manager, um, especially as his first sort of professional team, he's, he's, he's found a way to deal with going a goal behind and not letting that bug him. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, earlier on in the season, when when we went one down um, first, you know, in in 2020, 2021, so the, the first half of this season, we, we we just knew we weren't going to get back into a game if we'd gone down early. Whereas, you know, the back end of the season, we're more confident about going down. And Fletcher's team, the team of 29-10, you weren't worried at all if we went down in a game, at all. And particularly in that Wembley final, I think, Fletch, you, you said on the on the interviews that you weren't bothered when they scored and you weren't bothered when they scored again. And I think that reflected in the terraces as well. We, we kind of knew you'd come back. And it was, it, was, it was that mentality, I think, wasn't it, that they had such confidence. It wasn't an arrogance, was it? It was a confidence that you were you were going to get back into the game. And it's, it's kind of being yeah, reflected well, in, we, the, in the team now. Yeah, the, the way we played, we knew... You know, teams always get chances against us and concede. And it was the Holloway mentality of, right, we're going to score more than you. And as you said, it was not letting bits of things affect you. It was making sure that you turned that bit of negativity and used it to sort of get yourself a little bit of belief and a little bit of positive energy that, right, I'm going to show you or we're going to come back. And we come back twice. We went ahead and, and they couldn't do it. You could tell as soon as I scored that second goal, all the players were looking out thinking, how are we going to finish these off? But then as soon as we got the third goal, all the players were down on the floor, the, the heads were down. And you could see the two differences in the teams. When we conceded, we were all geeing each other up. Like, come on, don't worry about it. Let's let's get going. That picture when I think Brett's scored... There's about four or five of their players lying down, heads in, hands on the floor. And there was still 50 minutes to go, 45 minutes to go, you know, the whole second half. And I think that was the that was a massive difference in the, that final. Was 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 that noticed by a lot of our, our players? Did they, did you were you aware of they looked beaten men at the time? Yeah, at, at half time, you know, we were taught we were saying, you know, you could see the sort of it's a it's a thing that happens to your energy. You can see their energy levels, sort of, or the the body demeanour through all of them. Just thinking, how are we going to see these off? And then 
as the half went on, you could see them missing a few chances and they, they, they weren't going to score again. You know, choppers rattled the bar, but other than that, Comfortable, they didn't it? really have many clear cut chances. Gillo nearly threw one in his own goal, uh, but other than that, there wasn't much else. Um, you, you've kind of allude, alluded to it, but as a team or as a player individually, everybody's different. So, I think we we this team, like John's alluded to, they're very similar in terms of characteristics and and that that feeling we've got back for Blackpool FC. But what goes through your head? just before a game at Wembley, I know every player is different, but what do you think it takes mentally as an individual to not only focus on making sure you have a good game, but also to make sure you as a team have a good game and you go out there and give it your best shot? A lot of it can come about what team you're playing, your results over that season. Uh, I've said before that all through the playoffs, we were saying if we got Leicester in the final, then you know there's no chance. And then as soon as they got beat by Cardiff, we were like, right, this is our time, this is our our moment. And it's just as I've always you keep saying it: try not to focus on negatives or what could go wrong, and just try and be positive as much as you can. You know, the, the players will have a lot of energy to burn, and sometimes. You're sat in a hotel, so they'll be in the hotel tonight. They'll be around each other, and it's probably the best thing. It's when you go up to your room on your own, if you've got your room on your own, and that's when the thoughts start to creep in. So for me, it was all the players together. The night before the game, all the players were there till till late as possible. Um, the next morning, breakfast, everyone was up together. So it's, it's making sure that the little things like that, and you do stick, stick together as a team, so then the sort of nervous energy and the, it doesn't turn negative you start to help each other did a, a quick question from Bison's here uh, how did the heat affect you um, it's going to be another hot day on Sundays oh it was the, the worst thing was you're walking out and it's already you know absolute roasting and then, then big cannons of fire go off and <laughs> singe your eyebrows and you know luckily I didn't have any hair on my head to to get rid of that but yeah oh the heat was unbelievable luckily you know we made the decision to play in the white and reflect the heat off a little bit which really really helped and, um, it, I don't think it's going to be quite as hot as it was when we played Cardiff on Sunday but that will have a, a big effect um, especially with the tempo and intensity of the two teams you know it will be it's been a long long season but it will be coming down to the last half hour on who can keep going and keep going along us, really. Absolutely. Well, thanks for asking, uh, answering, sorry, all those questions. We're going to um, talk to talk to Jake now, get him involved a little bit more. So thanks for waiting patiently, Jake. Um, for the viewers and, uh, and listeners uh, listening to the podcast, um, Lincoln have had a pretty special season, haven't they? And they continue to sort of define the odds. Um, you've had three or four really decent players sort of in the limelight in terms of scoring double figures and assisting a lot. But talk to talk to the listeners and the viewers about the team you have. Obviously, it's not just about your forward men. It's, it's, it's the men at the back as well. Um, so give us a sort of summary of how your season's gone and, and in individuals that you know are going are to do some damage to Blackpool potentially come Sunday. Well, it's it's been quite a special season for for Lincoln. Obviously, we've had the we had the five years down in the conference not too long ago, and I think it was actually four years and one month ago we played our last game in the fifth tier, and then you know on Sunday we could be 
in the second tier, which sort of you know just shows you the rise we've had. But you just speak about this season, really. It's been it's been fantastic. Obviously, at the start of the year, we were told our budget was going to be cut forty percent from last year. You know, you, you probably spoke to Ga- um, Gaz from the Stacey West already. Um, we weren't really expecting anything. We came sixteenth last year, just behind Blackpool as well, I think. And um, yeah, obviously we got off to a good start. Didn't we beat Oxford? We beat Charlton. Um, came up to Bloomfield Road, took three points as well. Um, really good game, actually. Um, I think it's it was swung, and hopefully, you know, you're hoping the game on Sunday can do the same. And you know, we've had a consistent sort of eleven throughout the course of the season. Then in, in January, Appleton does what Appleton does best, and, and recruits a bunch more of younger players. You know, we did this. Um, 12 months ago uh, this time it was the likes of Morgan Rogers from Manchester City who I literally cannot believe how he's playing in our division um, fantastic I mean, you, you talk about the, the forward players I'll go into a bit more depth Tom Hopper obviously not a number 9 like like GTF that, that scored the goals but he scored twice in both the playoff legs um, his his um, his pressing and energy is massive for Lincoln. Um, the way we press and the way he harries defenders. I think Ballard and and you know it depends if it's Akpeteta or husband or whoever it is playing the centre half is going to be in for quite a tough afternoon. Um, not as tough if Matt Reed was playing or or GTF. I know, but um, uh, you know you've got other players at the back like like Palmer, um, magnificent goalkeeper. Only second, I think he came. Well, no, he, he kept quite a few clean sheets, probably not as many as Maxwell, but really impressive as well. You've got the likes of Joe Walsh, a Rolls-Royce defender, and, and then the man that glues it all together, Liam Bridcut in the, in the holding midfield, who's you know played at the highest level for Sunderland. He's played for Chelsea, he's played for some really big clubs in his career, and you know he's, he's at the back end of it now, but he's really driving these youngsters on and we're hoping we can do a bit of damage to um, Blackpool, Blackpool and the capital on, on Sunday. Yeah, Sean, I'll just come to you in regards to Hopper. I think he's a very decent player and he showed, um, and especially in the second leg, you know, caused him a lot of trouble. Bit of a loaded question, but do you think it will suit Ballard and whoever plays centre-back with him um, if we go 4-4-2 better, like when we played Gillingham with, with Oliver and that sort of player? Or do you, do you, do you think he's a sort of a different breed in terms of that? I think Hopper's more well-rounded than a lot of a lot of other strikers in the division. And obviously, you mentioned Vidane Oliver, and you, you look at Johnson, Clark, Harris. They just they seem to be natural goal scorers, and they'll they'll turn in behind. But you you can sort of deal with them if you keep the play in front of you. Whereas I feel like Tom Hopper has the ability to play off players, link up in midfield, but also as you were saying before, off the ball pressing and harrying, which is something that we don't tend to come up against. Obviously, we have the intensity ourselves in that forward line, and that's where it's just going to be a tireless game. But I think personally, it's it's it is going to be a tough ask, and I think if Ballard doesn't start, it's such a massive miss for us. I think he's really, really held it together. I mean, you look at his his quality; he shouldn't be in this division. Similarly to to uh, Morgan Rogers, as you said before, um, but. We, we say this every time that we, we feel like individuals are going to make the difference for us when whether they're in or not, and then someone else comes in, takes their place, and they work well because they're given a specific role to do. And I think that if you look at the only real sort of case you can take against Lincoln is that that first half when we were two 0 up away from home, and we had the perfect game plan there. And if we're able to implement that similarly, then hopefully that Hopper won't have much of an influence. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Jake, what 
I don't know how much you've seen of Blackpool this season, but from a Lincoln perspective, what, what's the talk been like pre-match? Obviously, it's been quite quiet at your end, potentially because of the 50-50s and injuries, etc. Or maybe that's just going quietly about sort of your game. But what's the feeling like in your camp? And it's been quite a well-respected pre-match, hasn't it? I think both managers have been very um, complimentary of each other and, and, and they, they both think it's going to be a very good final. But what's the thoughts your end? Um, well, I can sort of, in terms of what I've seen from Blackpool this year, I can only ba- go based off the, the two games that we played against you guys in the league and then the two games on Sky that I watched against Oxford. Um, you know, In terms of the two games in the league, um, you were ahead in both games. I think we scored four goals in the, 15, the last 15 minutes of both the ties. So, I mean, Lincoln fans are probably dubbing us as the outsiders. I think a lot of people have Blackpool as, you know, they're pretty much the the odds on favourites for the playoffs and, you know, you did your bit and got past Oxford but, you know, we're sort of thinking, well, if we say we're not we're not the favourites then we might, you know, sneak past you but it's going to be a difficult game. Obviously, you know, you showed that you came to Central Bank and get, went 2-0 up. Not a lot of teams have done that this season. Um, and then I thought you were impressive in the first game against Oxford. Obviously, not the um, the second one, not so much because you know the job was sort of already done, the damage was already done, wasn't it? And after the um, the game at the Kassam, but yeah, I think we're we're sort of dubbing ourselves as the the underdogs. Which you know, if you look at Lincoln's sort of history in the last five years, we've done quite well as the underdogs, and we generally always have been. So yeah, obviously, you know, you talk about the, the 50-50s as well. Um, we're sort we're a bit worried about Walsh and, and players like that not playing but um impressed by Blackpool. Critchley's obviously a very good manager. I think he was left in charge of the Liverpool seniors in the FA Cup game against Shrewsbury a few years ago. So clearly a man with with pedigree and what he's done this season. I I stood on our Stacey West podcast uh, we recorded yesterday that Critchley was my manager of the season purely for the fact that you've been the best team over thirty five games or so. So we know we've got a challenge on our hands. Um but it's one that I think will be open and one that we're very much looking forward to. Yeah, obviously you mentioned um, a couple of your players there that you've you've got in the squad and a lot, so many, so many talented young players as well. Um, obviously at the start of the season, I think we both, especially ourselves, had a question of experience quite often and whether we need experience in the squad to balance things out. But really it's been the young players that have been the leading light and they've really pushed on and had a freedom to express themselves and really a belief in being able to make mistakes and going again and being able to improve that way and then ultimately it's come to this point where both teams have done it a similar way um, how much do you think that that helps when you've got a manager that's willing to take on young players give them the licence to express themselves and do you think you'd prefer that to the experienced old school sort of way of going about it? Yeah I think I think Appleton sort of brought them in, in last January as well as I said we, think we had about eight or nine signings this time last year most of them were were young um, you know the signings you made over the summer are all pretty young as well you've got Rogers 18 Johnson 19 Scully's only 20 I think it, over the course of the season we had the youngest average starting 11 um, in the division which sort of shows that Appleton puts a lot of faith in into the um, players that we've got um, yeah, they're, they're the exciting ones aren't they the young ones because you know people especially like myself the ones that we can sort of relate to and think wow they're doing quite well for themselves aren't they considering we're like 23 and these players playing for Lincoln are a bit younger than me but yeah um, you know you talk about the um, the youth and they're not sort of afraid to make the mistakes you could tell in that first half against Sunderland that maybe we could have done with a bit more experience you know you look at 
Lewis Montsmer is another young player. He struggled under the the, the um, pressure of ten thousand fans. Another one was Johnson Rogers. Both didn't really get in the game until until half time. But I think you know, in terms of a sustainability module for the football club as a long term project, you've got to look at recruiting younger players from bigger clubs like we have done and, and Blackpool have done as well in terms of you know you know resale value and you know making them your assets and selling them on but you know Lincoln have gone down the experience route before obviously under Chris Moises we brought in quite a few experienced players the likes of Matt Reed, um Craig Stanley Matt Sparrow you guys might not know who some of those names are but I definitely prefer the way that Michael Appleton's gone about it and blood these youngsters in. You know, we've even got um, a lad who's come to our academy from Ireland. He's on trial with Chelsea at the minute. So that sort of shows you the way the, the club are sort of moving in terms of the academy and the elite training performance centre that we've got at the club as well has massively improved that. So, yeah, these young ones are doing all right, aren't they? they? They seem to be doing pretty well so far this year. And, and it's good to see other clubs take that mentality as well. Obviously, Blackpool done it. You know, Ballard's a very good footballer. Embleton's another youngster. So, and obviously, Ellis Sims as well. So, it's good to see two teams going about recruitment the right way, you know, with potentially one of the biggest prizes in English football a place in the second tier. Yeah, absolutely. And Fletcher, I come to you. Um, Lincoln's history has been sort of branded about in terms of the playoffs as sort of one of the worst records and Black being one of the best. I don't take that into consideration, although, you know, it's good to have that kind of record at Wembley. Do you think with such a young side and, and such a fearless side that Lincoln have, that won't bother them going into, into the weekend? Um, I don't think so, no. You know, you look at a lot of younger players, the haven't developed that little bit of fear of playing. You know, you look at the likes of Wayne Reed when he first come through, when he first started for Everton, he weren't bothered about anything. A lot of these young players for, for Lincoln are exactly the same. So, you know, I think their mentality will be right and it is going to be a, a very good game. One of the players that you've mentioned there, Tom Hopper, um, when I was at Leicester, he was obviously... Uh, in the youth team and I'd done quite a bit of coaching with him for for the attacking movement and stuff with um, Steve Beaganall and you know the the player I could see him developing into was a very good all-round player and you can see that when he played against Sunderland obviously scoring the header he he's very good in the year considering he, he's not that big he, he does remind me a little bit of how I used to use my body and stuff he's quite physical but He's got a bit of an athlete's look to him, obviously a lot more than than I did. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about, Fletch. What are you on about? <laughs> look, look, um, look at your mini GTF on the bottom right. Lean and mean there. Yeah. In the prime physical condition. Don't, don't a bit t- more <laughs> um, Just a quick one on Critchley. Um before he sort of, he, he got a little bit, say more famous, but it was a bit of a, on the news because Klopp didn't want to take the team or he couldn't at the time and he was going ahead with what he wanted to do and Critchley sort of stepped in, so he got a bit of attention. But what do you know about Neil Critchley sort of pre, pre all of that and, and just being a coach at the under-23s at Liverpool? Yeah, well, I went to watch Liverpool um, train quite a few times under-23s uh, I was allowed to go in when I was at Bangor and obviously I had quite a few conversations with Critchley and he was very, very highly thought of by everyone at Liverpool, you know, they, they were very reluctant to let him leave but 
at the end of the day, every coach, they want a chance of being a number one. And, you know, he's coming to Blackpool. You could see the little things that was happening at Liverpool starting to, to come into Blackpool's play. I've noticed you look at Liverpool, whenever the opposition's got a throw in, every Liverpool player's right over, leave the whole the other side of the pitch. And I could see in the first few games that that's what Blackpool were doing. And just these little things uh, go a long way of, you know, working on the little things you've got to throw in against you. He's working on it. You know, he's had to do it at the highest level in the under-23s at a Premier League club, an under-20s Premier League club. He wouldn't have had that job if he weren't good enough. You know, the players that have come through this year for Liverpool, he's helped develop. You know, the injury problems Liverpool have had with, obviously, Nico Williams. You've got Curtis Jones, Phillips, um, Reese Williams. A lot, a lot of them players were coached by Critchley. And you can see, hopefully, with Blackpool, he will develop and he will go on to get promoted and have a very, very successful next few years with him at the helm. One thing that will be getting thing is there will be a lot of other bigger teams looking at him with what he has done um, with the reputation he had from Liverpool and now he's come to Blackpool in his first managerial job and has excelled. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Sean, I'll come to you that in his pre sort of pre match interview it was about sixteen minutes long with, with Radio Lancashire this week. He said I wouldn't have left Liverpool for any job. This is a really special club and just just sort of touching upon what Fletch just said, do you think he'd be swayed at this moment in time if a bigger club sort of came along or do you think we've got our feet sort of firmly on the ground and we're building something special here? I think it depends what you define as a bigger club, really. I think you look at most of the championship and there's, there's teams that are running debts, high debts, they've got poor ownership or they're, they're constantly recycling players and squads. They've got a lot of old heads in their squads. You look at the perfect blank canvas that Critchley had at the start of the season and he's going to have that. That's I think that's a big thing for him is being able to implement exactly what he wants to do and knowing the owners are going to trust him with that time as well. I think time's an important thing. Obviously, he had the time at the start of the season when when people were potentially calling for his head. And you look at other clubs in the Championship, would they give him that time to, to implement his style of play? I don't think they would. I think, ultimately, where we're looking at with the ownership, if they've got such a, a high sort of degree of wanting to go down the data analytics route, the youth system route, reset, bringing in younger players and selling them on for a profit. That's the whole project that Critchley will buy into. And I think that that's what buys us that extra level, whether it's a Premier League club, however, is obviously a different question. And I personally think that any lower end Premier League club right now will be silly not to have a look at Neil Critchley um, if they wanted to develop and stay in the league for, for a few years. I mean, you look at the likes of Burnley and teams like that. They're kind of just they're kind of just sauntering. And I think if you want to really have a go at the these sort of levels, and I think that Neil Critchley is the sort of man you want to bring in. But I think what draws him to this job as well is he just gets it. He understands the background of the club, what we've gone through. He keeps acknowledging what's happened in the past with the club. He understands that it's not the most well-off community. He understands it's a working class background. He said he wants a team that sort of plays the way that the town can sort of reciprocate back off of that. And that was exactly the same style of play and exactly what we had with the squad of, of 2010 under Holloway. And I think that's really, really important. And I just think it's the right man at the right time with the right ownership. And it seems to just be the perfect recipe for us. Yeah, I completely agree. And John, just, just quickly to add to that, 
when we've seen players like Marvs and um, and Walton and stuff come into the team, even Sims, like the first few games, we've initially we said there's one of the worst Blackwood defenses we've ever seen. And whether it was Sadler um, or, or Gritchley said, I don't want Nottingham, for example, um, he got rid of him immediately because he wasn't the right man to play alongside sort of Marvs. And the way that he's come along this season, I know he's had that horrific, well, horrific injury. He's had an injury has kept him out a long time, but he, he's almost been with Gretchen, one of the best centre-back partnerships I've seen for, for, for years at Blackpool. So, so, what's, so Tom, what's the question? <laughs> how we dealt with sort of young players and how initially we all thought they were quite poor, but he's he's made them grow and he's used that experience. So, I mean, I don't know your thoughts on how he's sort of dealt with the pressure of being a first-team manager, but um, he's certainly developed the younger players and he's, he knows exactly what he wants. So getting rid of like Nottingham, for example, he's made us 10 times better, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, again, you know, I think he was a bit, he was a bit wet behind the ears when he when he first arrived, and I think the introduction of Colin Calderwood can't be understated. Really, I mean how important that was. Um, I'm, I'm sure Fletch can tell you you can't beat experience sometimes in a in a in a dressing room when Critch or, or, or he's played. He's come from this like kind of purist background as an academy, but sometimes Fletch, I don't. Would you agree with this that you sometimes need an experienced head in there? be it a senior pro or an experienced manager to maybe just help him along and say, look, this is the reality in, in League One. You can't be playing pretty triangles all day or, you know, it's it's a, it's a results business and you've got to mix it up a bit. Is that a, a reasonable comment? Um, or am I talking yeah, a load of bollocks? You, <laughs> you, know, you, you, you always need experience. You know, when Holloway come in, he kept Steve Thompson around because he'd been there for years. He knew all the players. Um, and it's just little things like that. Obviously, we, we had the experience that you're talking about Lincoln as Ridcut, what a player. You know, I remember playing against him um, and you couldn't get anywhere near him. Um, he was unbelievable. You know, it's going to be a, a big thing of where do Blackpool get that experience from? You know, as you're saying, Critchley, either the people around him um, to, to give him that little bit of a nudge. I think he has got a very, very good blend of a staff. Um, but the experience on the night before, as I'm saying, like the teams together, the players together, it will be who gels together on the day, who uses that nervous energy and turns it into a positive and it's going to be interesting, as I say. You'll be able to see little things in the warm-ups and stuff from the two camps who's feeling it or, you know, who is a little bit nervous. And What, what do you mean, Fletch? That's going to be what, interesting. What, what do you mean you'll be able to see it? What, what sort of things? Like the players, you, I remember sort of when we first went out before, as I say, the fans were in. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You could see a few of the younger ones, the likes of Seamus and that, and you're like, you could see him soaking it all in, but then thinking, bloody hell, what's happening here? And it's which team can then G each other up or get rid of that nervous energy for players the best on the day. The staff and Critchley will be massive for that. Michael Appleton, he, he, he's been there, he's played a lot of games like that in his little bit of his playing career. He's done a really long coaching career, but he's had that playing experience as well. So it will be interesting to see how the staff are with the players before the game, the, the warm-ups. Do they change anything? Do they, do they keep it how it is? You know, all them little things will be going through the staff's minds, but also, as you say, the players as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to go to talk about the sort of teams on the day in, in a minute, but we've got a few questions in from from um, the Blackpool Podcast Patreons group, and we've got one from Jake as well, which is eager to ask. But I'll ask my very simple question, uh, uh, Gaz. Um, Favourite goal for Blackpool and why? Um. Lot to pick from. Old Trafford. Yeah, I think, yeah for, for me personally, it was the Liverpool one because it meant so much, obviously, with things that happened with um, my friend Butch, obviously, from Lincoln because he passed away a few days before. And just going into that game, I knew I was going to score. I had the t shirt ready for everything. And saying it's my face, it's my most probably one that is the most closest to, to my heart for, for the goal score. And my favourite one was probably either the Hull the year after we got... Um, we were talking about that before you came on. <laughs> we, so, were just saying, we were just saying, Fletch, before the super. before you were came, we, we were talking about that goal, how good that goal was. And yeah, or the <laughs> one... Um, it was only about, I, think, I don't know if it was the next game, exactly the same against Coventry whenever I was pinging the ball across and mm. I took it on my chest and then volleyed it exactly the same, a little bit further out. Um, but yeah, I, I think the one that means the most, obviously, is the, the Liverpool one. Um, you know, my 30-yard header at Wembley can't be not mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Jake? Uh, your question I know it's quite a funny one yeah so um, I've spoke to a few Lincoln City fans Fletch and um, they're not quite sure about the opposition but they seem to remember an incident regarding Burger King and I was just wondering if you'd be able to clear that up I think Gary the guy who's the podcast he sort of said that you had a Burger King before a game away at Leighton Orient or something like that and we just sort of wanted you to clear that up if if you could remember it Burger King I don't know I used to always have um, a full breakfast full English sausage bacon eggs before every game Um, I used to hate eating 
any time after 11 o'clock because for me it always feel as if it was sitting in my stomach um, so every morning I used to be up at 9 o'clock and have sausage but like a, a full English breakfast and then I wouldn't really eat anything before the game um, how times have changed eh? yeah yeah not quite sure about a Burger King before the game um, but it was always like a full proper fry if that was that was the only thing I'd eat the, the day before the game uh, sorry the, the morning of the game that's quality do, do you remember oh, right. do you remember Fletch the story you told about after Old Trafford when Holloway was pissing yeah, around hot dogs. Uh, yeah yeah that you yeah. do you want to just tell everyone who's not listened to that it's quite a funny story uh, yeah so obviously we've been relegated um in the change room, there was the four. So we, we normally used to get about 12 pizzas from Domino's um, after the game, after every game. That used to be ordered on the bus waiting. But Man United wouldn't allow anything like that to obviously happen at Old Trafford. So they said, oh, well, we'll put you some pizzas on and, you know, whatever. So we got there and there was four, like, six-inch pizzas, like, <laughs> they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't even have filled. You know, they wouldn't even fill Big Evo um, and or even Matt Williams. You know, the, to go between probably twenty four lads um, was ridiculous. So anyway, we all had a, a lick of the of the box uh, of what was left and got on the bus. So we sat there and Holloway's off having his glass of wine with Alex Ferguson and a glass turned into a bottle and we were all sat on the coach just being relegated for an hour and a half hadn't eaten a thing after the game oh no and we were all it was it was terrible so anyway obviously outside Old Trafford we were sat on the, 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 the bus and there was um, the burger vans and, and the stalls and stuff so I'd had enough. I, after the game, I need to eat. So, off I get. Went to the Berg van. I was like, listen, what have you got left? And she was like, oh, I've got this and this. I was like, right, put it on. Just put it all on. Um, so, got it all, uh, paid for it all, carried it all onto the bus and all that. So, like, oh, digging in. Anyway, Holloway walks on. What the hell is this? And absolute kicking off. And all the rest of the lads like stopped eating, and I was like, "Nah, sat that. You you just had an hour and a half sat in there while we've been sat on this coach, just being relegated, all gutted, and you're off swan having a glass of wine." And I just carried on eating, and he come right up, and he was looking, and I just thought, "I just carried on eating it, like in his face," and he was like, "You know, that, that's why you're you're not at the top level and and stuff, you know." But oh wow! It's one of them, yeah. You need to listen to the full GTF interviews, Tom. It was on there. <laughs> but he was there for an hour and a half, Brown nosing Alex Ferguson, just leaving you all on there after we've been relegated. He's probably pissed, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> uh, Josh... then, uh, the, next, the next night, um, we had obviously the player of the year do. Um, before all the lads got took into a room, and we were in there for about an hour. Um, Holloway going on and all the talk about Oyster and everything and all that of, and why we went down and he brought it up then as well and he was like and yesterday with the hot dogs and I think it was Rob Edwards who was probably you know the most health conscious man ever and he was like Gaffer the lads were starving we'd had nothing to eat 
Why are you going on about this again? That wasn't the reason why we got relegated. Why are you going on about it? Why pick on it? What did he say? And he was like, he was just like, well, it's it's standard, isn't it? You know, I want to improve next season and stuff. Oh, and sorry. we were like, it's the end of the season. We've got six weeks. So you know, uh, uh, but uh, it was one of them. <laughs> but, uh, We've got uh, two more questions just before we go on to the teams. Uh, give the Lincoln lads something to talk about. What favourite goal at Lincoln? Go on, Jake. Which one do you think I'll say? To be honest with you, Fletch, my first game watching Lincoln was the South End playoff final um, in 2005. So you can tell, you, you feel free to tell me, mate. I'm, before then, I was sort of a bit clueless. Yeah, right. So there's probably one that sticks out in every Lincoln's fan Lincoln fan's mind will be the Scunthorpe. Um Scunthorpe at home game live on Sky. Um probably my favourite goal for Lincoln. Um played through and I think it's where Messi first seen how to lob a keeper, how to chip a ball over a keeper. Um Played through just on the very, very corner of the box, and the keeper had come about six yards off. And I just done the the biggest scoop ever over him, and it just got right over him. And the commentators were like, "Oh, he's crossed the ball, and it's in the back of the net." And then from the other angle, you're looking at it, and there wasn't another player in there. Half I was on my own, and they're like, "Hold on a minute, he's actually meant that." And you could see me look and exactly what I was going to do, and. That was probably, you know, me, me best goal. The most memorable one for me personally was when I went back to late in the audience. Um, obviously, I'd only been, I'd not played, I'd been at Lincoln for about six, eight weeks. And I went back to late in the audience and I remember the, the manager saying, oh, you know, Gary Taylor Fletcher coming back. Uh, well, it was Gary Fletcher, but coming back, uh, you know, he's, he's done well for Lincoln and he said it was something along the lines of, yeah, but he wasn't good enough to play here so we're not worried about him or something. So, you know, that was just the, the preparation and the the thing that I needed to say, you know what, you, you wait. And I remember I scored two goals. The second one, I picked it up on the halfway line, went through about five or six players and put it in from the edge of the box and ran over didn't quite slide in his face but sort of turned me back pointing to my name and um, I remember Keith Alexander took me off after about 10 minutes of scoring the second goal and I think it was the whole ta- the only time all of the, the late Orient fans actually stood up and clapped me <laughs> and it was because I'd gone off just from scoring two goals against them so you know that was probably my most favourite one but my best one was the one we scored for can you see this, Fletch, um, from Steve Hutchin? Did GTF mean to score from the wing v Charlton when we won 5-3 at home? I can't even remember this. Is that the one that, where he like, Yeah, used the wind. The post. Used the wind. I don't remember that it was the windiest day ever. Yeah, yeah. I do now. Yeah. And I've, Did I've, you mean I've, it? I've, I've cross-shotted it and the wind's just took it and... It came in for the in. Yeah, it's hit the post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got it. <laughs> Just just one before we go into the things, getting out to the hour mark now, but who was the most underrated player you played with uh, at Blackpool? Underrated, Ralph. You know. Yeah, well, we had like Hulahan, we know he was amazing, but yeah, who was one yeah. player that you played with and like? 
underrated were, well, I could name a load, you know, Craney, Baptiste and Keith Southern, three players who, they were there every minute of every game, but yet the focus was on Charlie Adam, DJ Campbell. Um, you know, you look at them, play, them three players were, they, they were the backbone, along with the likes of Evo, myself, um, unbelievable players who, for me, it, it's it's hard to say underrated because you know all Blackpool fans love them and they're all three legends of the club. But for me, it, it was it was you know them three players that were really what I thought were the, one of the three the most important. I mean, and then kind probably of, the kind of like pound world. for pound going into the Cardiff final, they were all thought they were better players than the the three you've mentioned. And yeah. Yeah, I think the, the the one from the Premier League year was Vaughan. Yeah. You know, all the talk about Chaz, but Vaughan was by far better than Charlie Adam that year. Um, for me that year, I didn't think Charlie played as good as probably about five or six of us, but he scored the goals. He, he was the, the big name in the Blackpool team. Um, don't get me wrong, he had a great season, but it was one of them was just outstanding I think um, Sh- Sean just as again as we, we were talking before we came we came on it we, we, I don't want I'm not like um, brown nosing or anything Fletch but we didn't realise how good you were I've watched the 0-9-10 highlights DVD I didn't realise how good you were until we kind of I've watched that video back and I was fucking hell he's pivotal to it pretty much every single attacking move we've got Sean isn't it and I think just to, to bung Fletch into the, this category as well. I mean, it's a fair shout. You don't you don't realise how good he is and, until you really watch the videos and until you don't lo- you don't miss what you've got until it's gone. I think is that that phrase, isn't it? It was it was so unique as well as a player in terms of technical ability. It's just not you don't tend to have those sort of players come come through in England at that level and and to be able to provide those sort of moments of magic that he had. And I mean it's just that understanding or everything linked together in the midfield because I'm always that's why I love David Vaughan so much because I just love a good passer of the ball I love someone who's always like a yard ahead of the play and he just David Vaughan could read everything before it happened and GTF was the same in that the the link-up play they had you look at the United goal in terms of the link-up play they knew exactly where each other were going to be seconds before some of the best defenders in the league at that point had, had ever seen it so yeah I think I think we definitely I couldn't say underappreciated because we adored each and every one of them. But I think externally, I think, as you said, um, obviously Charlie had the focus on him. Um, But there were so many players in there that were top, top technical players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of my favourite goals you scored, Fletch, was um, against Ipswich. It means a lot to me because I'm from Ipswich. And we smashed them, I think, 6-0 that day. But it was just... uh, Yeah. Seven, yeah, you flicked it with the outside of your boot, and it. I only when I watched it back, I realised how good that goal was because it, it was a shot across goal, but you just flicked with the outside of the boot and they hit the roof of the net, and I just think it's it's just you all over, like a touch of class and so much skill. Yeah, you you, you adored by us. Yeah, the one to say the one thing that I was always an intelligent player. You know, I might not have had the physical attributes, but my mind gave me probably a yard on everyone else. Um, it, it was it was interesting to say about the, the link up and playing that because I think a lot of people 
when they do watch, let's say, the old 9 old 10 season and even the Premier League years, a lot of the things that happen with Blackpool, it might have only just been something small, but when you look at it, you think, wow, how clever was that? And a lot of people have said that. And it, as I say, I think you do have to watch them back to, to realise, you know, what type of player I was. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've got your own hashtag, Pitch Intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pitch in- made that one up, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Pitch Intelligence, actually, Josh. Pitch Intelligence. Uh, yeah. Get it right. <laughs> get it right, mate. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. That's all right, mate. Moving on to teams. Um, Jake, we'll come back to you. Thanks for waiting patiently again. Um, a lot of Blackpool fans are saying you're probably going to start the same as you ended the second half against Sutherland where you looked a phenomenal sort of outlet and, and, and you sort of turned that game on its head when you looked sort of dead and buried to some extent but you were phenomenal in that second half and do you agree that you're probably going to start with the same team? Um, I hope so. I think that's the best way we've got of being Blackpool um, with that energy in midfield of McGrandles and you know the experience of Walsh at the back so Obviously, you'd, you'd be gutted for Scully and you'd be gutted for Lewis to, to miss out because they've had really good seasons. You know, Scully has scored 17 goals. Monson has scored six, including a winner up at your place. You know, he's yeah, he's got a lot of interest in him. So, we would be disappointed to sit a game of this sort of magnitude out. And But, yeah, you'd like to think we go unchanged. Obviously, Appleton, you know, you guys might think it's a bit of a... A bit of a you know media play with he's trying to you know distract the fact that we've got three centre halves at fifty fifty. Um, but yeah, um, I certainly don't want to see the team that started the first half at the stadium. I do, because, I do. Yeah, I know. I imagine. <laughs> Look, at, I, I've said this about four or five times now. But if we play like that against Blackpool, there'll be five, six, seven outside. Fletch, they were shite if you didn't see that game. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> the first half against Sunderland. Uh, oh, uh, Boys uh, v Men, wasn't it? Oh, I was bricking it. I was honestly when Charlie White rounded Palmer and um, what was he doing? Leg, what was he doing? Oh, no idea. Oh, I yes, said that was, was that was worth Kane at the World Cup. That was yeah, yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. He just has to look. Yeah, so hopefully we're unchanged from that second half. Obviously, injuries might dictate. I know Jackson's out. Uh, Jones is out as well so but you never know we've got players on the bench that can make a difference um, Cohen Bramble obviously is really quick came through at Arsenal and he's played at Colchester and, and then you know if you've got Scully Harry Anderson on the bench then we've got some options and you know I don't think we've had a fully fit squad all season and, and obviously I think Sunderland away was the first time we actually had one but one change would be would be good for us I think we'll probably that's our best way of getting a result against you guys Bison's is saying there, Josh. Uh, doesn't matter who Lincoln pick if we play to our best, we win. That's that's fighting know. talk. I don't know. I don't know. Have you been, I don't think you beat us this season though. If, even if you played your best team, so yeah, well, there you go, Bison. There you go. The the game at Bloomfield Road. You need to understand. There's seven players difference, and we were absolutely shocking. But. Yeah, the, the game at Central Bank was decent, to be fair, and, and yeah. you did take advantage of our frailties at the back. We should have been five 0 up, though, Tom, shouldn't we? We should, we should, we should, should have, have been five 0 up. But I'm not being cocky. I've adored, <laughs> I've adored Lincoln all season. I think they've done a, a cracking job, and I don't know what kind of formation you'd like to go with on Sunday, Sean. But would you like to see four four two again, or would you like to just revert back to sort of the three five two that that worked so well just before the playoffs? Um, I'd go un- unchanged personally um, from that second leg I know obviously we've conceded three goals but I think it was sort of 
out of character almost and that's the I think I was completely confident going into the the playoffs generally obviously before the first leg I was quite confident but that there was three goals conceded in such a flappy basic manner I think have kind of thrown up a few questions for me but I think Mitchell's earned a start for himself in that four four two. I know I, I adore Keshi Anderson. I think he's one of the best players that we've had in a, in a long time. You adore him, do you, Sean? I adore him, John. <laughs> I adore him. The credited but, opinion is much better than yours, John. <laughs> well, yeah. two people are credited on this, so what do I know? <laughs> but I think if you look at the bench, we've got to think about the bench as well. And if you can bring Keshi Anderson on with half an hour to play, then that's absolutely ideal. He can dictate the play, he can calm things down, and he's a really good outlet on the counter-attack. And I think that's important. Um, but I, yeah, I would go four four two personally. Uh, obviously, you've got the two wingers a bit further forward. But uh, I mean, I, we were literally saying before the playoffs, we can't play Embleton, and now I'm like Embleton has to play. So show us what we know. I'm fed up. Of, I'm literally fed up of calling players saying that we should play. Yeah, just don't try. Just... Every time he does it, what's the point anyway? I just fully trust that no matter what happens, it's yeah. going to work because it's worked every time before, and he knows what he's doing. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> And Fletch, more of an observation for, for Critchley, but what Sean's alluding to is I think the last time we questioned Critchley in the manner we did in the first leg against Oxford, when we had such a good run at 3-5-2, he changed it to 4-4-2 to sort of match link, um, Oxford's style of play. And we were criticising him quite a lot before the game, saying it's not going to work. And obviously we won 3-0. <laughs> but do you, do you think that's... I think not that far. <laughs> I think not that far, definitely not. Well, no, I said a lot of us. I didn't say you. Yeah. I'm yeah. down. I'll try and play it off. I'll try and play it off. <laughs> Do you, do you think that's credit to Critchley, though, that he's not scared to make the changes? Even we could win five in a row and he could go and make three changes and he's sort of adapted his style to say, I'm going to play what I want to play against, you know, the team that, that's up against me and not, not by form, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the one thing he knows is what a squad are capable of and what needs to be done a game. Um, he... he You've got a, a team who can change during the game, a bit like to to what Liverpool can do. He, he's very that that is. I keep alluding to it, but he is bringing all these traits from what he's learned at Liverpool. Can you see that, Fletch? Yeah. Can, can you can you see? Yeah. yeah, yeah can you definitely in, in the way they're playing and 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 just as I say, little things, corners, throw-ins when when these little things of of how Liverpool do it and. It, it's one of them where it's going to be interesting on if he does pick a team that he can change during the game or if he does go and says, right, I'm going to actually not worry about them for once. You know, I'm going to go 4 4 2, I'm going to play Yates and Sims as two strikers, I'm going to play me, me wingers and, and go for it. But I think Appleton can do the same as well. That's the thing. Um, it's it's a battle of, of the two managers really. You look you look right through the game. Jake said before about the is the the Lincoln goalkeeper. It, you've got the, the the two goalkeepers who have been in great form all year. You've got the the, the strikers who are, are going to go against each other. So it is one of them where it, it is who can perform better as a team and get these danger players in into the right areas and then what. The manager can do substitutes wise in the last thirty. The heat, the intensity. You know, it's going to be a battle in, on every angle, really. Yeah, just a quick question for you, Jake, and, and then I'll come to you, Sean. After 
Do you think playing four four two will you will have a much chance of running through us? Because we saw that a few times this season um, with one pass through the middle. We saw it quite early on at Oxford where the ball got played. It was a flick from, I think, Taylor, wasn't it? Um, and we were in trouble early doors. Do you think you've got the quality in the middle with, with Grant and Bridcut to, to do damage running through the middle and, and, and not and, and, yeah, and just using your experience that you've, you've done so well at this season? Yeah, I think having three men in the midfield against your two will probably, you know, it means we might have the ball a bit more, which probably suits both teams. I know we're better with possession than we are out of it, and you guys will probably say you're better out of position than you are in it. So, you know, having those three in midfield will allow us to get a foothold on the game. And, you know, you think if you give, you know, if you give one of those midfielders a bit of space, and, you know, ideally if it's George Grant and, you know, George Grant will get your back four based off the season that he's just had, then, you know, I think a few Blackpool fans might have their um, hearts in mouths at that moment. But um, we've come up against four four two quite a lot this year. Gillingham came to Central Bank and played it very effectively. Beat us three nil. Um, Vadane Oliver and and John Akinde unfortunately came back and and both scored. Um, both former Lincoln players. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a formation that we've not really te- been tested out against too much because a lot of teams don't play in, in this division, do they? You know, you've got teams like MK Dons playing three at the back. You've got a lot of teams sort of reverting to those three at the back formations like you guys did earlier in the year. So, yeah, it'll be, it's interesting tactically. You know, it's, it's um, like I said, Cowley, it's Critchley against Appleton and um, it will be the manager who holds his nerve better, I think, that will probably win it, whether that's a tweaking formation or, or system. Your, your opinion, Sean? Does that make you a little bit nervous that we could get over on a midfield? Or um, I, I, I don't think so. Just because, obviously, we, as you said, I think that Oxford game was a one-off. I really, I really, I know. Obviously, we're going into a playoff final, but I just think the going into a game three 0 up, even if you're the most professional team in the world, there's going to be that little inkling in the back of your mind of you know taking your foot off the gas a bit because you feel like the job's done. Um, but I think. It depends on how well Dougal and Stewart start in terms of their possession on the ball because I think games where we have been run over in that central midfield area, Dougal's been quite slack in his possession. I think recently he's come right back onto form at the right time and if them two start and they play with confidence on the ball, I think your first five minutes being able to pass and just calm down the play and just get a few passes going together and linking things up well as soon as you start that going efficiently then I think that the progress you just think it's a normal game again don't you I think it's just about not having any early pressure on us that we don't need Um, and I feel like you look at how professionally we started that at Oxford in terms of just we professionally went about business we soaked a bit of pressure up and then we went and counted and we scored the goal and I think if we can do that and soak up a bit of early pressure then we should be fine um, and the more I'm talking about this, the more confident I've become again. But I'm sure that this will all go out the window as soon as we we get towards the game. Yeah, we'll come on to what we think the score is going to be right now. Fletch, I'll start with you. Can you give us a score prediction for the game, or who's going to get promoted if you think it's going to be a draw after ninety? Two one. Two. Two one. <laughs> You've got to call it. Come on, come on! You can't sit on the fence. No. Come on. No, no. Two one. No, no. No, We're not having it, Fletch. Come on. Come on. Time, Come on. <laughs> yeah, no. That's the rule. <laughs> on the block. Who's scoring? 2 1. Who's, Who's scoring? Yeah. yeah. Who's scoring the two goals? Hopper and Sims. Hopper and Sims. Yeah. Sims with two. Fair enough. 
strange. Come on, Flex. Come on, get off the fence. Come on. No, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. It's going to be a, an exciting, interesting game. Um, it's, if you're a betting man be, and you're putting a tenner on it, who's, what's your money going on? Draw, penalty. Draw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's going through on pens? If I was a better man, it'd be more than two goals. Yeah, more than two. You know, I was thinking 3-1 to Blackpool, so Tom, there's mine. 3-1 to Blackpool, and that's uh, Fletcher's as well, because he just had two goals, so... Jake, <laughs> you're on mute, mate. Ah, uh, take him off. Sorry. Yeah, um, I think your guys, you guys, are going to go ahead, and I think we're going to beat you two one after extra time. I think we're going to. Uh, I think the fact that we've come from behind twice against you guys this year is going to mm, be stop mentioning the first game. <laughs> <laughs> right. In fairness, you guys were two and eleven when we had half. You know, most of our squad were out injured, um, so yeah. I think it sort of goes both ways. So. No, you know, I think it will probably play on your players and hopefully your supporters' minds as well, and we can <laughs> not come in, from mate. behind yet again and do Blackpool <laughs> and get promoted and give you a wave on the way up. Two one, then. You've got to, you've got to say your own team, haven't you, Sean? I was going to say that that first game this is. I don't think any Blackpool fans will remember it because the Armfield opened that day, so it was a bit of a. I don't think anyone's really got much of a recollection of that day. Um, I think three one. Personally, I think we'll go 2 0 ahead. I think we'll be really professional in the first half. We'll turn up as we need to, and how, as we have done against most big sides this season. Then I think early second half, Lincoln will pull one back and we'll start to have a bit of a 10 minute period where Lincoln come on to us. Then I feel like we'll calm ourselves down, bring in Anderson off the bench, those sort of players that will bring the ball back out, and then we'll, we'll finish it off at the end. So 3 1. Tom. Tom. Sticking I've said, I've, yeah, I've said all along two one, um, but it's it's not going to be comfortable um, as you expect any player final to be. <clears throat> I think we've got the ability to do what we did against Oxford. If I'm being genuinely in my thoughts here, I think Sean's just alluded to the fact that we can deal with pressure, but Lincoln are very dangerous as well. But they can also be fragile at the back. So if we go one nil up, sort of mid first half, and, and we go through the gears, I think we could do the damage. But equally if we let them come to us and they go one new up or even have a you know, chance at a second, then I don't see us coming back from it. So I'll go with a close 2-1 for, for Blackpool. Um, Yates is going to score at Wembley and I'm going to go with Yates and Sims as obvious as that sounds. So um, fingers crossed. Uh, with Matt, we've got a 4-2. Um, Josh has said uh, he can't call this game 1-1 after 90 and then no idea, a bit like Fletch. Uh, Richard, 3-1. Husband to get on the score sheet as well. Steve, 2-1. Amac, 3-1. Another 3-1 up after extra time. Bison's as ever, 2-0. <laughs> uh, Jake, come on, GTF, not protection. Right, Fl- yeah. Fletch, right. So just, oh, just, just before you go, Fletch. Yeah. Trying to question which team are going to the burger van after the game. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll be I'll be there with them at Wembley. Um, yeah, I'll be there doing a bit of work for the EFL. So, oh, are you? I'm are you actually, there? Yeah, I'm. I'm in the hospitality suites before the game, and then pitch side for an hour before the game, Quality. doing interviews and stuff. So, yeah, give, us a, wave. give us a wave then. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll. We're all going anyway. From, so. from, from the Royal Box. Are you going to get a fry up in the uh, Wembley Hospitality Suite for English for your pre-match meal? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what certain. It'll be well, for, uh, certain, for, certain board members are, are, are giving me daggers <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
for Chicago. going to see the Royal Box. So these guys will be going out by the time it gets to that sort of time. So I don't think you guys oh. will be looking at the Royal Box. Yeah. Oh, wow. There he is. Wow. Right. So see, see it's been kicked. <laughs> it's been kicked. <laughs> <laughs> so ho- hopefully, Fletch, it's not for uh, Chicago Town Pizzas for your uh, post-match meal anyway. so Right, uh, Fletch, Jake. We're going to kick you both off now. So thanks ever so much for coming on. It's been an, Fletch, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on. And no problem. We're looking Thank forward you, to seeing you there tomorrow anyway. So uh, do you, it's on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Right, cheers, Fletch. Thanks, mate. And uh, Jake. No worries. We might see you later, my son. We're just going to be doing some stupid videos at the end, so uh, it'll be completely boring for you and Fletch. So thanks for coming on, mate. Anyway, it's been uh, great to have you on. May the best team win. Right, uh, Tom, what have we got to do now just before we go? Yeah, so don't don't leave everyone. We've got some um, incredible videos for you, but we're going to kick it off with an Alan Partridge-style uh, message from Tim for you all. Do not ask me why he's done this. Uh, don't ask me why he's sitting in a pool, um, but I'm just going to let Tim do the speaking now. So we, so let's, just, let's just give a bit of context to what what we're about to show. This is for the, oh. for the other members of the podcast who aren't on the preview show this evening. They're all giving a rallying cry via the medium of video and this is the one Tim sent us so Tom play VT evening to everybody on the podcast team to patrons and everybody else who listens to the Seasiders podcast um, unfortunately I can't move you tonight as you can see um, I'm uh, enjoying myself by a pool and uh, it's the start of the fielding family holiday um, thankfully, I had the uh, foresight to book a holiday in Kent, so I will be with you on Sunday. Um, so, all I want to really say is enjoy your trip down to London whenever you're setting off. If you're not able to make the trip, and hopefully you're going to be with some family and friends and enjoy the day nevertheless. Uh, Prediction-wise, I'm naturally a pessimist, as most of you know, but I am actually going to predict a Blackpool win. I'm going to go 3-1 to Blackpool, hopefully Ballard plays, and hopefully uh, come um, 6 o'clock or whatever it is, 5 o'clock on, a, on Sunday night, we're all in the championship. Up the pole! <laughs> Sensational. <laughs> Even though I've got an injured thing. shoulder... And it hurts to clap. I'm going to give that a round of applause. Tim Fielding there, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Fielding, the most the most middle-class supporter we've ever had. And he's, he showed his true... watch with kids. <laughs> oh, God. That was podcast gold. That was phenomenal. Uh, who should we go to next? Let's do, let's do Mitch. Right, Mitch, the man with the hat inside. Here we are. We've reached the end of the strangest season in the history of football. We've made it and we're going to Wembley. We started badly. We got a bit better. We got a bit better again. And by the end of the season, we were an absolute tangerine machine. Critch is going to get it right. Our players are going to click. It's going to be a fantastic day, and there might only be 4,000 of us, but we'll make the noise of 40,000. It's going to be fantastic. Everybody, enjoy the day. Pool 10, Lincoln nil. 
up the pills. I've never noticed the um, nose ring Mitch has got. Is that? I wonder if he's got that new one for Wembley. Just, just for player finals, yeah. yeah maybe we should yeah. all get them. Player final nose rings. Good chat. Bit, bit um, optimistic on the score prediction, but anything close to seven will be good. Uh, Sean, I'll let you pick the next one. We've got Nick and his peaky hair, Sam Partridge uh, or Sober Matt. I've got to go Sober Matt, haven't we? I think it's the first time I've ever seen it. <laughs> Still hungover, I think. Uh, hi, everyone. This is a Sober Matt Smith reporting in for the Friday Night Preview Show. Um, so, predictions for the weekend. So, I think if we can uh, weather an early storm from Lincoln, uh, I think we've got enough to grind them down. I do have concerns over their ability and their managerial ability to swap and change uh, to react to situations, as well as them having uh, a good track record on set pieces. However, I think the real difference in the game could be the form of Sims and Yates. Uh, certainly in recent games, there's not been a defence that can handle them, um, so I feel confident with that. Uh, I'd even be more confident knowing that Danny Ballard was fully fit. Uh, however, with uh, being Marvin Jordan Thornley, um, they can step in, I'm sure, and do a very good job for us. Uh, I look at this and think we might even play 3-5-2, um, but who knows who can second-guess Critch these days. I do see goals in the game, uh, and I see us as... Uh, 3-2 winners in a heart-pumping, barnstorming final. Okay, there we go. I prefer the piss, reading that. I was going to say, he was reading that like a medium. I see I see these goals in front of me. <laughs> Hopefully he's right, though. Piss Matt's better. Uh, Matt, next time you do one of those, down a half bottle of the, your spiced Tequila. rum. <laughs> I swear Ballard was a warning anyway. <laughs> Three five two he's going for though, isn't he? Mm, interesting. Yeah, I can't call it we'll see. Uh your your choice uh, next, John. You've got let's Partridge. go with um let's save Partridge to last. Let's go with um Nick's Nick and his quiff. Nick's peak. Good evening to all the listeners and viewers of the Seasiders podcast. Uh, to those of you who are going to be there on Sunday, I hope you have a fantastic day. Sing your hearts out for the pool. Uh, I think we're going to get the result. It's going to be tight, but I think we will win 2-1. Um, so enjoy your day. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there, which is a bit of a shame, but I hope everybody has a fantastic time. And uh, up the pool. Yeah. 2-1, he's going for. Absolutely. We're all going for wins. Did Matt give a prediction? I can't remember. Yeah, 3-2. Three, 3-2, two. Three, two. okay. It right. wasn't a prediction. It was a medium telling. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sam, to finish it off. Good evening to those watching the Friday Night Preview Show and those listening back on their way down to London for Sunday's League One playoff final. Uh, gutted I can't be on the Friday Night Preview Show with you this evening, uh, finishing what we started all the way back in July for that Liverpool pre-season friendly game at Anfield. Who would have thought we'd be where we are now, uh, what, October time, all panicking, all saying we're stuck with him. Uh, but Critchley and the team have done a superb job and we're one game away from reaching the championship. Good luck to Neil Critchley and the players on Sunday. Let's go and do it. Up the pool. No Let, prediction. Let's go and do it. He was actually, every point was a goal for us. That was right. So let's go and do it. That's five. Five now. Make it simple. Fair enough. Um, just before, I've, just in case I forget, I've, uh, I've been 
railroaded into doing this, not railroaded. But um, if any if anyone business owners are out there, shameless plug coming up. I am a manager of uh, Paulton JS, JFC Junior Football Club under eights, going to be under nines next season. So I have a fantastic sponsorship opportunity for any small business or massive business out there there who would be interested in sponsoring our kids football club next year. You get your name on the kids' shirts. So we do need a sponsor, so not that expensive and you'll get lots of exposure. You might even get plugs on here via me. So just get in touch with me on Twitter at Seasiders Podos, drop us an email and um we'll be I'll well, I'll be in touch with you. So shameless plug there, Tom. Absolutely. I'll leave I'll leave it with you to to to, to uh, sign us off tonight as well. Right, yeah. So guys, playoff playoff final Sunday, how how are we all feeling? Just before we go, Sean, are you confident? Uh, I was up until this podcast, but then I like I taught myself into being confident again. But I was confident before Oxford. I'm confident now, but I'll be shitting myself on the day. So I just think we've I just think we've we've got it. I just think it's made for us. I really do. I just think it's ours. Tom, a lot of people have been saying three one, myself included. Stephen Hartman's just said that on um Stephen Hartman on the chat, he's just said that and Tim said that as well. I'm I'm in a confident mindset compared to I wasn't against um, West Ham and I wasn't against Exeter obviously that was the mushroom playoff final wasn't it but I'm yeah. I'm reasonably confident and I think I think if we play our best game and I think Sean just said sometimes in the past we've got too much quality in this team alright he said it against Rochdale and we got beat but I think we've got the better team I think we've got better players and we've got we've got I think we've got what it takes to get over the line are you are you of that thinking as well uh, yeah, I think, yes, um, absolutely. I've said it to many people that are not Blackpool fans that watch this over sort of, you know, well, the, the playoffs because we haven't been on telly. But I've said, if you look at the team, man for man, we've got a hell of a squad here. And, and as Sean alluded to earlier on the bench as well, we've got that we've got that bit of class that can come off the bench and affect games if, they, if they're introduced early enough, which, you know, we haven't done at some points this season, but we've certainly done it at the right points more towards the end of the season. But... Yeah, with the team we've got on our day, we we won't get beaten by anybody, and we've proved that time and time again versus the top eight. Um, saying that, um, I know how dangerous Lincoln can be, and and there're no mugs to be in the playoffs and, and the top two for most of the season, and even with injuries. And people won't say what they want to say about the COVID situation, but they generally could have had a COVID outbreak, and you know you'd like to think that well, you're not allowed to think they did have one, but you know you don't lie about that sort of thing, and they make jokes about it. It came at the right time, but. Look what they did against us when they had about five or six players out. I know we battered them, but they came back at us, and we just need to be professional as we possibly can be um, come Sunday. And I think if we score early and we and we soak up the pressure, and we will pick them off a bit by bit. But if we go one nil down, it'll be a completely different game. So overall, I think we'll win, um, but we need to start as we know Blackpool can start, like we did against Oxford um, after we, that little bit of pressure we soaked up. So fingers crossed, we come to the match reaction and we're all hanging out of our asses and, and we're celebrating <laughs> a, a massive. Promotion. I just, I just want to be in the green man after the game and just yeah, no, just be happy. All I want. I was spending an arm and a leg to get there in the first place. I think, I think what makes me calmer about this is that it's always felt in the past like this is our this is our one chance. If we're going to do it, we have to do it this season. This is it. Whereas now, I think it's the first time we've gone into it and been like, you know what? If we don't come away with the win, we're going to build again next season, and we're probably going to do it again. 
And I just think that's the difference where I'm a bit more calmer, cool headed, because yeah, yeah. it's like the, in the past, it's been, if we don't do this, we're going to sell all our players and then we're just going to be a shambles. Yeah, and I think that helps a lot. That's a great, it's a great point, Sean, that the fact that we've got now Sam Sadler and we've got this entire infrastructure behind us now. And there was that thing with the community trust as well, that I know it's that in the week that they're going to be building yeah. these pitches behind Bloomfield Road. There's the compulsory purchase orders going on behind the East. There's all this sort of stuff's going on behind the scenes that you know we're going to come back strongly if we don't do it so um yeah it's a hopefully it's a hopefully it's a win for Blackpool and we go back to the championship I just want to get that game with the knobbers back on and I want us back up yeah. there but it's not the end of the world if not and it's, let's it's, just enjoy the day hopefully there's some normality next season and Although, you know, let's just say with the worst thing happens and we do lose, we'll be back at Bloomfield in capacity next season and we can see what it was like versus Oxford and how normal it felt again. And to have even, let's just say, 10,000 fans back and, you know, playing very decent level of League One football next season, challenging again, it's going to, it's, it's just going to be nice again, isn't it, at the end of the day? But it'll be much sweeter in the Championship, of Certainly course. Will. Doesn't matter. We're going to be in the championship anyway, so it's yeah. fine. It's all it's sound. And on that rallying cry, come on the pool. Let's get let's bring it home, boys. Up the pool. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks. Do like, do subscribe, and we'll speak. Speak to you on the match reaction show on Monday. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon supporter program that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So if head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod, you'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month, price of a pint, and for that you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members whatsapp group you'll get some exclusive podcasts competitions so we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in and we are going to be running an extra time podcast which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons so if you want to sign up patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod it'd be great to have you on board thanks for listening The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.